0: Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here with us this morning, whether you're in the dark or the light, either way. Glad that you're here. It fits with our series, right? Mind and soul. But glad you're here in person, both online as well. If you've ever been to an arcade, if you've ever been to the county fair, the state fair, or whatever, you may have seen or you may have played the game Whack-A-Mole, right? Whack-A-Mole, 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 right? Yeah, people like, oh, I love that game, right? Or I love whacking moles in my yard, right? But we get the idea of like Whack-A-Mole, Whack-A-Mole, and the game starts out under control, right? Oh, there's a whack, the mole. (laughs) Whack, 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 whack. And you're feeling pretty good about yourself, right? Until what? All these moles start popping up, and you're like, and you're like, loser, (laughs) loser, right? Moles are pests that dig tunnels through our yards. They, you know, destroy our trees or our root systems what in our garden and all that. And We want to whack the moles, right? And I think when it comes to this idea of the game whack a mole, I think it's sort of a picture of this last year in our life. That we have been trying to whack all kinds of moles in our life, right? And it's been hard. And due to this, we are all experiencing some level of shift in our mental health because we are trying to keep up with whacking the moles. And I'm including in this. this. It's been a different year for me as well. Why? Because I can't keep up with whacking the moles. They seem to be winning. Because of this, whether we realize it or not, we're all going through some level of a shift of mental health. Now, some of you in the room might be like, oh, I don't deal with mental health at all. It's no big issue. Well, (laughs) if you don't, then you're like probably dead (laughs) because we all have mental health. We all have some level of mental health. And if I would take this tape measure, 25 feet tape measure and... This side is, hey, I'm doing good in my area of mental health. I seem to be healthy, handling things pretty well. And the 25 foot is like, man, I've been struggling. I've been uh, challenged or whatever. All of us have shifted in our mental health over this last year, somewhere on this spectrum. I mean, we all have good days. We all have bad days, right? That's a shift in our mental health. But over this year, we've all had to whack... Moles that we haven't had to whack before and try to figure out. We're all normal in the room when it comes to trying to deal with our mental health. Psychologists today say that the biggest challenge or what has moved our mental health on the spectrum is that of grief. Grief. When we think of grief, you know, we always relate it to death, right? Grief is a mental and emotional roller coaster that we experience when someone close to us dies. We go through the grief process of denial and anger and bargaining and depression and then acceptance. But how many of us over this last year have experienced a different level of anger even just in our lives than prior to this year? I've talked to all kinds of people who have said, man, I've just dealt with so much anger over this year. And they're like not usually angry people. There's been this shift. We relate this grieving process to death, yet today we're all experiencing some kind of grief in our life. Just the loss of normalcy, right? Things aren't normal anymore. Vacationing isn't normal anymore. Going to the store isn't normal anymore. Standing in a line isn't normal anymore. The normalcy that we're used to is out the window. The fear of economic toll. You know, there used to be a a level of security in that. Now there's some unknown. The racial political tensions that have been up and down all year and, and intense has caused grieving. The fear of illness, like most people would not fear illness, but most all people at some level have a level of fear of illness these days. The loss of connection is huge, right? Man, I haven't been able to see this individual or my grandkids for the longest time or I can't see them as often as I want to. I mean, even as a pastor, like we can't go visit people at the hospital who are hurting, we can't get in right? And there's a level of grief there because we want to take care of them. Sedentism, which means we've been living in one space for a long time. We're cooped up. You know what it's like? Hey, spring is good for us, right? It's like, oh, finally, we can get outside. But that impacts us, especially when we're at the stay-at-home deal. Somebody over this last year that has been infected by an increased illness or has died, and we have been grieving that truth. Grief today is collective. There's really been no other time in history except maybe back, we can think, to 9-11, but that was sort of a brief period. But this is this collective grieving of our whole community, our county as a whole, our, our country as a whole. We are all grieving something at some level. And because of this, we need to pay attention to our mental health. And our mental health has to do with our mind, and it has to do with our emotions. And so that's why we're calling this series in April, Mind and Soul, We Are Not Consumed. Now, when we talk about mental health and our mind... We are talking about our ability to understand, our ability to reason. We use our intellect, right? Like, hey, what's going on? We ask the question, how can this be? How can this happen? Why is this going on? And we're dealing with our mind. But when we talk about mental health, it also deals with the other side. It deals with our soul. We're talking about the seed of our affections our emotions. In the Greek, it means breath, life, right? You know, our our intellect is great. Our intellect is great, but what really brings life to us? What really brings life to us is our soul, our emotions, right? You know, I've counseled all kinds of couples where they come in and typically the spouse, the woman, when it comes to communication is saying, listen, you know, I want more of my spouse's, my husband's soul. You know, he's he's intellect. He, he looks at things intellectually. He wants to fix them, that kind of stuff. And then he just, you know, harbors all his feelings. And that, man, I want to know more of his emotions, his soul, and all that. And the husband's typically saying, well, yeah, well, I'd like less of your emotions and your soul and a little more of the intellect. You know, like that whole thing of like, oh, man, right? That wrestling. That wrestling that we have. When it comes to our mental health, we have these two major aspects of our mind and our soul. And to help us walk through this series, Mind and Soul, we will be going through the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, in the Bible. The author is suspected to be the prophet Jeremiah, who was nicknamed the Weeping Prophet. So, Uh, a good uh, author for us here this morning as we wrestle through this area of mental health. Because Jeremiah in Lamentations is wrestling, grieving, questioning, both in his mind, his intellect, but also in his soul, his emotions, with what has happened to the nation of Israel. Lamentations poignantly expresses the people's overwhelming sense of loss that accompanied the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And I think the book speaks to our overwhelming experience of loss in certain areas of our life over this last year. Now, the horrors accompanying the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem are recited in some detail in the book of Lamentations. There was wholesale devastation and slaughter of kings, of prophets, of the rulers of the day, of the commoner in Jerusalem. Nobody did not experience somebody being impacted by the invasion of the Babylonians. It's very similar to this last year of COVID, right? COVID was not a respecter of age or race or location or economic level at all. Jeremiah goes on and he explains how mothers were reduced to cannibalism because the Babylonians surrounded the city of Jerusalem. No water or food was going in. So at some point, a mother literally had to choose, am I going to die with my child or am I going to eat them? to live. Seriously. They were taken away from their land that God had promised them. Their property, their community was devastated. And then they were taken to be slaves to the Babylonians. And so picture that for your Monday, tomorrow. That today, life is good. You're heading back to your home, your family. Tomorrow you wake up, your home is devastated and you are taken captive, and you are going to be a slave to another country. Tomorrow! The people are dragged off. Not only that, their elaborate system of worship and ceremonies, their gathering together, was no longer. As they were exiled as slaves, they didn't have the temple to go to anymore, to gather and to be together. We had just a smidgen, not even probably an ounce a taste of what that was like, especially when we were in the stay-at-home order, like, hey, we can't gather at all. But this is what they were experiencing. Everything had shifted in their lives, everything. And there's this picture of this wrestling, this door of desolation of Jerusalem in Jeremiah's first line in Lamentations one. He says, how deserted lies this city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations she who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave what a picture especially that first line how deserted lies this city so full of people i mean think about this last year just last week i was reading the minneapolis st paul magazine and in there they had a uh, photo articles of the downtown area of where it used to be bustling. And now it sits still, empty. You know, your theaters, you know, some of our sports venues just starting to come back. First Avenue music venue. I mean, desolate. And it's so odd, right? Sounds like this last year. And we get this feeling for what the people of Jerusalem are feeling in Psalm 137.1, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Jerusalem. They are, they're slaves now in Babylon, and they're sitting by the river, and they're reminiscing, remember when? Remember when? The devastation, the, the, the weight on their shoulders. There's a shift that they've experienced in the nation of Israel. One day they're laughing, there's security, there's optimism. The next, next day it's weeping, grieving, and doubt. There's this major shift in their mental health, what they're experiencing. In verse 1, Jeremiah's mind, his intellect, is challenged, for he starts out, how? How is the word that is the, the questioning of the ways of God? How can this be? How can this happen? Like the book of Job, Lamentations, pictures a man of God puzzled over the results of evil and suffering in the world. How, God, can you allow this? How, God, are you a part of orchestrating this? What are you up to? Right? What's going on? The book of Lamentations actually could be two different titles. The first title is obviously Lamentations, which literally means sorrow, because Jeremiah is just expressing the sorrow that is going on in the nation of Israel because of the Babylonian invasion. We see a picture of this sorrow. Lamentations one sixteen says, this is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. But Lamentations could also be titled, they say, the word how. Because the book is dealing with the intellectual wrestling of what went on as well. It's dealing with both sides of our mental health, the the emotion, the sorrow, but also the intellectual. How? How? Of who we are. This experience of Jerusalem being overtaken has challenged Jeremiah's mental health, right? His mind and his soul, just like this last year's challenged ours, challenged mine. We're normal. When it comes to our mental health, I sort of see it on a fulcrum. You know, the the red block here is our mind, our intellect. The blue block is our soul, our emotion, right? And good mental health keeps these two in balance on this fulcrum. But there's times where, man, we get so emotional, right? And it's all about emotion, emotional, and we can't think straight, we don't have much logic. We think the world is ending, the world is ending. Yet here a year later, we're still here, right? So there's there's this idea that, hey, we need to have some intellect with this and, and reasoning and perspective with this. But sometimes we just deal with the perspective side or the intellect side over here. And that, oh, it's fine, it's good. And that we, we just package up all our emotions and we're like a volcano just ready to... You know, and and somebody does something that's insignificant, like actually takes the spot in our six-foot distance in the line, right? And we lose it because we've been just dealing with the intellect side and we haven't released any emotion or whatever. And this mental health balance is so critical for us, so important for us. So in Lamentations, we see Jeremiah wrestling with both of these sides in what took place in Jerusalem. Yet what keeps Jeremiah and the people of Israel filled with hope in their situation is this. They can maintain hope because they are wrestling with their God. We see in Lamentations that Jeremiah is wrestling with God, both intellectually and emotionally. He did not take his wrestling to drugs. He did not take his wrestling to pornography. He did not take his wrestling to Netflix and binge. He didn't take his wrestling to food. He didn't take his wrestling to, well, I'll work more. He didn't take his wrestling elsewhere to alcohol. Or, hey, I'm just going to get a new relationship. I'm just going to get a new relationship Whatever it might be. He kept his wrestling of the situation he was walking through, both his intellect and his emotions, with God. That was the center point of his wrestling. Because of this, Jeremiah and the people of Israel stayed in relationship with God and in their situation before him, and they were not consumed by it. It ultimately didn't win in their life. When I think of the idea of consumed, I think of the idea of fire. You know, fire consumes something. There's this this pile of ash. It reminded me of the book I read about the famous Hinkley Fire, just north of us here, Back in 1893, the Hinkley fire that just consumed the house. The, the fire was so intense, it consumed everything. Matter of fact, you could tell where people were just basically consumed or dissolved into ash. Why? Because they said that their ring or their watch or their necklace or their earrings were just sitting in a little pile on the ground in the ash. It said that people were traveling in out of town running through the town, stealing people's watches, rings, to get the gold. That's a picture of being consumed. But the reality is, when we keep our wrestling first off in God, we are not consumed, he says, by our situations. I love the quote from Pastor Chuck Swindoll. Anything under God's control is never out of control. Let's read this together. Anything under God's control is never out of control. Hey, let's yell this together. Anything under God's control is never out of control. If we admit it, we're all wrestling with mental health at some level today due to this last year. There has been a shift. We're all grieving something. We're all dealing with something, whether it's our the intellectual side or the emotional side of it. But as we stay in relationship with Jesus, he will walk us through it so we will not be consumed, burnt up, won over. So let us keep that phrase in our mind. Anything under God's control is under control. Anything under God's control is never out of control, right? Never out of control. So here's your assignment moving forward through this day, through this week, through this month, through this year, through your life until you meet Jesus face to face is to give your stuff over to God. Continue to wrestle with Him in your mind and your your soul, and keep it under His control. Now, I'm not saying this morning, "Hey, if you're on medication when it comes to uh, some mental health pieces or whatever, hey, get off it or with this or that." No, what I'm saying is, our number one start is to always keep our wrestling with God, our relationship with God, bringing it to God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do I picture that verse? Here's how I picture it in my life. When I'm thinking a certain way or when I'm wrestling emotionally or whatever, I walk over to Jesus, I put my arm around him and I say, Jesus, what do you think about my stinking thinking right now? Jesus, what are you you thinking about my emotions right now? I'm I'm struggling, I'm this. Jesus, what do you think? What do you think? Let's, Let's wrestle this together. Bring it to him, bring it to him. Arm around him, right? When thoughts and emotions go unexamined, they can do a lot of harm. They can get out of control and cause negative cycles that lead to negative thoughts, feelings, and then eventually actions. So apply first Peter five, six and seven. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares for you. So, people, let's go and whack a mole with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that when life comes at us, you've designed us with both our mind and soul. But you've designed us as well to walk in our mental health with you, to wrestle, to give it over to you, and to start there. So I pray as your people that we would stay in relationship with you as Jeremiah gives us this picture in Lamentations to wrestle with you. Why? So we are not consumed. So I pray that favor over each one here today in your holy name. Amen.